Well, our first guest uh, this morning, the Minister for the Environment, Climate and Transport, Eamon Ryan, also, of course, the Green Party leader. Uh, Minister Ryan was in Sligo last night where he attended a public meeting and answered questions on a range of issues. And it was a very lively session, I can tell you. Uh, Minister, good morning. You're very welcome to studio. and Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Niall. Um, it was hot and heavy last night at the meeting. Um, yeah. I don't know whether you expected that or not. A uh, lot of issues raised, a lot of concerns raised. What did you make of it, first of all? Well, I think that's healthy, you know. I mean, it should be hot and heavy. People, if they're going to a meeting, they've an interest in an issue and it's something that people are passionate about. Uh, politics sometimes needs that bit of passion. I don't, I don't think that's a problem at all. Yeah, so you didn't mind the fact that um, it got a bit heated at times? It's the exact opposite. I think it's like if it was dull... You'd be kind of uh, you, you'd, you'd be more worried, and and I think in the end, do you know the other kind of way those meetings tend to work? Like, yeah, it was a good, robust kind of exchange, as it were, but then you chat afterwards, and uh, you know you stay stay on afterwards, and actually, you know, it's not personal; it's political, and politics sometimes involves should involve robust exchange of views while staying polite, while staying respectful. I think there 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 is a way you can do that, where you can be passionate in politics. But not just not going down to a derogatory populist kind of. That is that you know there is a problem in the world that, that particularly with maybe the online media kind of ferments this type of dialogue, which is you only listen to people of the same view and you never listen to someone with a different view. It's actually very healthy to hear someone who has a different perspective, and if you do that, if you listen with respect and treat people with respect while you're doing it, I think then it's a very that, then that's very healthy. Just picking up on a couple of the issues which uh, cropped up at the meeting last night, um, two in particular, the issues of, of transport and then the, the gold mining in Leitrim. In relation to transport, and as I was explaining to you last night, we had a lot of text or show yesterday in relation to the state of the service, the Sligo-Dublin line, more so the speed of, of the train service, three hours, ten minutes to Dublin, people wondering why that can't be um, improved in some way to encourage people to use the train as opposed to, to driving to Dublin. And then secondly, the, the situation with rural transport facilities in this particular part of the country. I think both cases were well made and I, I didn't differ too much on, the, on what some of the people were saying. Like it is a problem that the Sligo train takes three hours and whatever, 15, 20 minutes and and, you know, that there isn't a, a later or you know, an earlier train so that, you know, the earliest train coming into Sligo is at about 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So if you come in to work for the day, that's a bit late. There were a number of good suggestions. The idea of kind of running a train maybe from Longford just up north to Sligo and that might bring a lot of students into the like of uh, the Atlantic University. So I listened to that with with a lot of respect. We, we have a national rail review, a strategic rail review, which will be published in effect in the summer. Uh, and as part of that, I think we, we have to look and will look at the speed and frequency of, particularly on kind of routes to the likes of Waterford, Sligo, Limerick, you know, Galway, way. Okay, Dublin Cork, Dublin Belfast has very good services. Are we service, servicing the other parts of the country as well? I think that's a very valid point. Just on the bus one, on, on that side, yeah. I was also glad though to present, you heard me presenting some of the details, there has been a dramatic increase in the number of rural bus services. It started in Leitrim. Leitrim last year and Kerry were the first two areas. Leitrim Council in fairness to them uh, and the local link service did a really good job of integrating the health service public transport needs and the local link 
public transport needs and but then by getting a more regular service the patronage shot up and that was the start of what's called Connecting Ireland and that's leading to almost a new rural bus service every week and if you look at I, I was looking at the figures for the um, Sligo Leitrim Donegal area it went from roughly two or three years ago maybe you had about two or three thousand passengers a week it's gone up to about 18,000 so there's been a huge increase in patronage on rural public transport and we're only warming up on that we're, we're going to roll out further services and and by by that by increasing that service and, and by promoting it more and I think by use, using both bus air and local link to meet those needs I think we're seeing really a major step up in rural public transport Okay well well, taking that into account I, I, can I bring you back to, to some comments you made a couple of years ago which you'll well remember because they caused a lot of controversy at the time um, and you said back then you were suggesting that a village of 300 people needed just 30 cars to operate you said to quote you you believe the government should incentivize car sharing and move towards a situation where a village would have a set amount of cars and there would always be one available through a collection and drop-off system. The carpooling system. But how could a system like that work in a well, rural area? First, it was, it was two things about that. It wasn't saying that there couldn't be other cars. You know, it wasn't saying you can only use those cars, but it was saying car sharing could actually have real benefits because um, in a family, let's say, you know, you've, I have young kids in their early 20s and to give them access without having to ever have an own a car. Car sharing does have a real benefit. So, but it's not... It was not in any way saying that's what you have to do or that's the only way you can do it. But there is a real benefit in terms of saving people money in that. And it is starting to roll out, be rolled out right yeah. across the country. So it was misinterpreted at the time, do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I probably wasn't as... as our, I, I mean, I, I should be more careful maybe in what I said. People did interpret it as attack on rural Ireland or as a kind of a naming, shaming, blaming or pointing the finger at rural Ireland. It was not. That, that was far from my uh, intention. Um, you we did meet with uh, protesters outside the meeting last night um, before you went in. The Treasurer uh, Leitrim Group, who have concerns about the granting of uh, prospecting licences in the county which will affect 47 townlands. Um, you gave them some assurances last night in relation to possible future mining operations in the county. I don't know if they were completely satisfied with what you told them, but what is the situation? In well, relation, and do you, do, you have, do, you, do you understand where they're coming from in relation to the possible threat against local communities? Uh, I'd know a lot of them and and I would come from a very similar background in environmental campaigning and I absolutely respect like the their absolute focus on protecting their ro- local the Bonnet River and uh, and and their which runs into Loch Gill and uh, and maintaining what is a beautiful environment. I know it very well as it happens. I spend a lot of time there, um, but so I absolutely respect that. What I said two things. Well, firstly, a prospecting license a prospecting license is not a mining license. Like there are thousands of prospecting licenses issued over the years over all over the country. Uh, we only have I think one major mine in the country. So the chance of anything actually finding a deposit and then turn, turning into a mine is infantes- is very, very small. Um, if that was the case, well, what we have to absolutely make sure is that the absolute highest standards apply so that there isn't pollution of the environment, that we have to learn from the lessons of the history in the past when mining was done without a care to the environment. That cannot take place. But the other point I made, and it's a very broad point, and it's maybe slightly philosophical in a way, but it's true in my mind. We have a question you know, listen, anyone, everyone pretty much has a phone these days. You know, it's, it's made, the key, the key components are, are rare earth minerals. And to find them, you have to mine. And if we were to say, 
it's only in the poorest countries in the world where that takes place. It's only in the place where there's no environmental standards, when there's no labour standards, but where, you know, where the rule of law maybe doesn't apply, where you can get away with doing whatever you want to do. If that's always our approach to say, oh yeah, we'll, we'll use all the materials, but it'll only come from poor poor countries. Well, I think that would be a justice issue. That would be an injustice to those countries. We have to make sure that if we do do any mining, it has to absolutely protect our waters and protect our environment. Um, I don't think, though, we can rule it out right across the country, because I think there would right, people would rightly say, sure, God, it's one law for the rich countries and one law for the poor, and that would not be fair. I have to ask you about the, uh, the turf situation, uh, which um, we'll never know, I suppose, how close it came to bringing down the government last summer I don't know if it did it was nowhere near bringing down the government Um, but there was a lot of angst uh, amongst the parties in government what is it there's still a lot of confusion Minister in relation to this what is the situation in relation to the future of burning turf and the distribution of turf firstly we do have to stop the industrial extraction and we are stopping the industrial extraction of turf there's still some of that going on without any legal basis without any permission Um, but that does have to stop Um, the uh, and we are switching to renewables, which is a much cleaner, our own electricity, yeah. which will power our country far more effectively, far more efficiently, far cleaner, far better for health. We still have an issue. We have 1,400 people each year dying prematurely because of air pollution. The the rules introduced last year, and this was never going to be on the government because they're based on pure common sense. It says we should stop burning very smoky fuels, and that would include wet wood or bituminous coal are uh, peace now the ban on peace is not absolute because we recognized there is a tradition in this country, small, local scale, people with turbidity rights yeah. cutting their own turf. And or there's a neighbor. cost factor as well. People are struggling to, to heat are. their homes. They are, but but um, that's why we do need to switch to the renewables. But the reason they're struggling is because the high price of fossil fuels. By switching to clean electricity and using the likes of heat pumps to heat our home, that's actually much more effective, much healthier, much warmer, much better homes. So making a switch makes sense. It won't be immediate. We will still continue. Uh, the basis I said there where you know you might have local production local turbidity rights but not sold in a big commercial retail way um, we we acknowledge that that was not going to be the point where we say oh no all that has to stop uh, but we do need to make the switch it's up now to the local authorities I'm going in now just after this to, to meet the Sligo County Council uh, I'm doing that as part of going around to every council around the country and I find it really interesting to listen to officials listen to the councillors uh, it's important that we now police these rules because because it is in our benefit. It's it, it, it when you have very smoky fuels, it leaves a particulates in the air that goes into our lungs. That that affects our heart. It affects our health. So, um, and we will see improvements. It'll take time, but people will see that the switch away from that smoky coal leads to cleaner air. Okay, but there will be an understanding of the the, the difficulties that individual people face in relation. It's never designed, to that. and and listen, a lot of people use this for political you know play in terms of uh, depicting it as, a, oh, the end of our, the attack on a culture, attack on a p- parts of the country. It was never that. It was a public health measure to save lives and, and it will do that. And and uh, uh, and that, that sometimes in politics, you've got to do the hard thing because it's the right thing. A couple of questions to finish, Minister. Um, and I asked you this last night. Um, if the government runs its full term, you've got, what, two years left in government. What would be your priority as Green Party leader 
in relation to pushing through policies during that time? What would you like to see achieved? I think, the, I, think I asked you a question last night and mm. I said the same this morning. The first most important thing we need to do is provide stable, coherent government through very difficult times. Like we did that through COVID. We worked, all three parties in government are working well together. There's a high level of trust. We have differences. We have rows, like any organize our group of organizations but it's a highly it is a well-functioning government and i think the first duty is to provide that so that you manage through a very difficult time like it's tough at the moment interest rates are going up mortgages are going up there's still very high prices in food and energy and other commodities so first job of government is to try and make sure you manage the country so that we help people through this difficult time and i think we can and will do that i think as we're doing that for me it is a transformational moment as well because we're living in a world as well as these immediate crises in COVID or in cost of living, our natural world is collapsing. Our natural world is being destroyed and that threatens our future more than anything else. And what we have to do is switch this country, a green island, to a more sustainable direction that's going to be better for our people. I, I said at the closing remarks last night, I just quoted Joe Biden and Balna. I don't know if you were there, if you saw him. No. He said the same thing in every speech he gave right across the country. It's green energy, green agriculture, green jobs. That's the future. And it's particularly the future for Ireland, which is a green island, where we do have advantages in farming. We have a more pastoral, less intense system by nature and family farm system. We do have huge green energy resources, particularly actually in the northwest of the country. If you think long term, think 20 years out here, the biggest energy resource in Europe is in the northwest Atlantic. The winds, the incredible wind speeds, and we all know it in the West Coast, like the wind blows a lot. That can be converted to energy that creates jobs. You look at that announcement today, Athenry, the Dexam, whatever, the new healthcare company coming in, I bet you they're looking and thinking, where do we locate? Well, northwest of Ireland, west of Ireland, you will have clean energy, which they all absolutely know they have to have. You've access to good water supplies and you've access to a high quality manufacturing workforce, like a good country. And you also have a country which has that stable government I talked about a minute ago, you know, where it's not madhouse the way some other countries are going. And I think, so us presenting ourselves as a country on our green image and making it a reality, a green reality, restoring the waters that have become polluted, restoring the biodiversity that we all know we've lost, um, and improving our own local environment so we don't have so much air and other water pollutions and switching away from the carbon fossil fuels. That's the sustainable future. And actually, I think in government, I would say this, I think the Green Party is very coherent internally and we're delivering on that change and that's my focus while providing good, stable government with my colleagues. A very final question and a very personal question and we touched on it again last night, uh, Minister. Uh, and, and I have to say, and I don't mean any disrespect in this, but any time we talk on our show about anything to do with Green Party policy or your own policies or views in any issue or even government policy, there is inevitably a, a torrent of abuse uh, and vitriol which comes your way, which is probably unfair in some cases. And to, to some extent, you have become sort of a whippy boy for government and government policy. Mm. Um, I think. But do you, do, does that bother you on a, on a personal level? No, because in truth, when you meet people in real life, uh, Irish people, yes, you get occasional kind of abuse, but the vast majority of Irish people are very civil and polite and friendly, and even where you differ, can do so in a way that that, that isn't uh, offensive. Um, I think there is something there, but why is that? Um, it's because we're delivering change. Uh, 
you know, we are we are talking about changing the entire food, transport, energy, industrial system. We like the scale of change. I I, I shouldn't underestimate it. But sometimes the people who bring change, you know, that requires, that's difficult sometimes. Or people are fearful of it. And I think my own personal explanation is, so, you know, why is it that sometimes we draw such a reaction? Because we're very explicit and open about bringing change. And, um, but, and I think the job is to make sure that people understand that that change will only work if it's for the better. And if it's not on a kind of point of the finger of people blaming people, but pulling together to make that change. Um, and that's my job. And it starts, as I said, the great thing about going around the country is you get a chance to sit down and listen and explain that change in a way that I hopefully convinces people, yeah, this is the right way to go. Minister Amy Ryan, thanks for coming in this morning. Thank you indeed. Thank man. you very much.